A quick look in the concordance of any Bible reveals the importance of the concept of peace in Scripture. Today, we're looking at four key truths we need to develop peace and the benefits that come to us when we do. This message is the sixth in the series, Road Trip. The message is entitled, Peace. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, tonight we wrap up our series of messages somewhere called Road Trip. We want to talk about a very important topic this weekend. I want to talk to you for, for a few moments about the peace of God in your life. In this uh, series of messages, we've been talking about the important elements that you need to pack with you as you go through your life journey. None of us know how long we're going to be here in this life. For some, it might be uh, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. We don't know how long we'll live here. But one thing is for sure, we want to have the best life we possibly can, don't we? And to have the best life we possibly can, we have to make sure that we've packed in the right ingredients. We've talked about things like faith and patience, and I, we talked about contentment, how important that is, kindness. We talked last weekend about the importance of encouragement in your life, staying encouraged. And this weekend, I want to talk to you, as I said, about this whole idea, the topic of the peace of God. Because if you're going to have an effective life, you have to learn how to live in, how to communicate, how to surround your life with an atmosphere of God's peace. And so I want to share with you just four very simple things tonight. I think it will be very valuable to you as you think about this topic, as you carry it with you into your future. The first thing that we must understand about the peace of God is that the peace of God, God's peace, is a different kind of peace. When we think of peace, we can all define it kind of in similar ways and based upon certain experiences we've had in life. We say, well, I kind of know what peace is. But we must kind of remove ourselves from our own definition of peace for a moment and, and find out what God's definition of peace is. And the kind of peace that God talks about in his Bible, his word, is a peace that really is an inner peace that works its way into the environments outside of us. So it starts in you and affects the world around you. So often in the world in which we live, we try to take peace and sort of enforce it out there and make people be at peace with one another, but you can't be at peace in that environment around you, in any environment around you, until you're at peace inside of you. There are a lot of us, the reason we don't have peace in our homes, our families, and the businesses where we work is because we're not living in peace internally in our own lives. This concept of peace is really big time in the Bible. In fact, if you study your international version of the Scripture, you'll find that the word peace, both in Hebrew and, and Greek uh, and the translation for our English Bibles, is found about 250 times in the Bible. So it's a very, very important topic. And this different kind of peace is defined by a variety of words or concepts. When God talks about peace, he's talking about things like harmony and quietness and rest in our souls, absence of strife. He's talking to us about having order to our lives because when your life is disordered, it's not very peaceful. He's talking about things even like prosperity, that you prosper in your life whenever you're at peace. And also things like blessing as the ironic blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and grant you what? Peace. So you see that all of this is about the blessing of God at work in your life. And so it's very important to realize that the kind of peace the Bible speaks of is different than the world offers, a different kind of peace. It's a peace that is authored by God because God, the God that we worship, is the God of peace. He is the fountainhead. He is the source of peace. You can't find real peace and lasting peace apart from God. 
He is the source of real peace, and the way that he brings peace to us is through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why when people try to make peace work, and they don't have Jesus, they don't have a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ, peace never really is sustained outside of a relationship with God and relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're, again, not at peace in here, you're never going to be in peace out here. So peace starts inside with the relationship with Christ and works its way outwardly as we learn to walk with him by faith. Let me say one more thing about peace before we go to our second point. The peace of God is not something that you achieve. It is something that you receive. Let me say it again. The peace of God is not not something you achieve. It is something you receive. Say it with me. The peace of God is not something you achieve. It is something you receive. If you try to achieve peace, I'm just going to make myself peaceful, you will create all kind of anxiety inside of you while you're trying to gain peace. That's why a lot of peace processes and peace events and points of reconciliation when people are trying to make peace happen and they don't understand that peace is a faith thing that you receive in your heart by relationship with God. And then you have to work it out, yes, in your life, but it's not something you achieve. It starts with receiving this divine relationship with God. And so what I want to say to you tonight is this, very important to get started with. Until you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you don't even have access to what real peace is. The only way you can have access to real peace, lasting peace, personally, and the world around you is to have a personal relationship with Jesus and to grow that relationship in him. And so we receive it by faith. Because I have faith in Jesus Christ, I can have the peace of God. The Bible says of Christ that he himself is my peace who's broken down the walls and given me access to relationship with God who is the God of peace. I'm glad that I don't have to work to achieve peace. I am so glad that in relationship with God, I can receive peace. Amen? It's a gift that God gives you. It's the gift of peace. Jesus, in fact, said, before I go away, I'm going to give to you a gift. My peace will be with you, not like the world gives, but I will give you a peace that is very different from the world. The second thing you must understand biblically about the peace of God is you have to understand that the peace of God has to be guarded in your life. Once you receive God's peace by relationship with Christ, and all of us do, that moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and you sincerely put your faith in Christ, something happened inside of you. The Holy Spirit, as we talked about last week, came to live inside of you. And there in that moment when you were born again, you received the peace of God. Why? Because God came to live in you and he is the God of peace. So peace is possible in you. Say it with me. Peace is possible in me. Say it together. Peace is possible in me. Why? Because peace resides in me. I live in relationship with God. So God lives in me. And so I have the ability, the possibility, the opportunity to live in peace. Now, just because I have that in me, does it mean that I live it out daily? No. Because you can have a gift and not use it. Amen? All of you have been given gifts before that were wonderful gifts, but you put it in the closet somewhere or in a drawer somewhere. You sort of filed it away somewhere, and you had the gift, but you never actually utilized it. It may still be at home in the package right now. 
Oh, a nice gift somebody gave you, but you never actually used it. So there are a lot of people who have come to faith in Christ and accepted Him as Lord of their life, but they haven't started to use the gift. And, they, and even in the process of using it, they've allowed the enemy to steal it back away from them. They have not guarded it because a gift given has to be used, but it also has to be guarded. Let's go to the Scriptures and see what the Bible says about this guarding of God's peace. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I'm going to ask you to read it together with me aloud and loudly. Very powerful verse about the peace of God. Here we go. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. A lot of stuff there in that verse, but notice the phrase, make every effort to live in peace. So the peace is there, but you have to learn how to live in it. Take a look now at Ephesians 4, verse 3, and listen as I read this for you. Again, very similar. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice it's not something you get, it's something you keep. You have received God's peace in you as a Christian believer. It is there. You've received this gift. You must learn how to use it. You must learn how to keep it. And you must make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so God calls you to be a peacekeeper and to be a peace. Maker to keep the peace that God has given you and to make peace with people around you. Now, I want to talk to you about two of the most common enemies of peace. If you'll get there, are many enemies of peace, but I'm going to give you two tonight. These are not on your notes, so you may want to find some place to write them down in your notes, maybe in some of the white space you have there. In my life, I've learned that two things will rob my peace faster than anything else. My words and my worry. Those are the two things. I will lose my peace faster and lose peace in relationships faster through my words and my worry than anything else. If I go home tonight and walk through the door and begin to say very harsh things to my wife and begin to be very demanding toward her and my words are not carefully utilized, I don't speak kindly to her, but I speak resentfully to her, what kind of atmosphere will I create in my home? It will not be peace, I assure you. And it doesn't matter how much I prayed on the way home. Oh, Lord, give me peace in my family. Give me peace in my household. Oh, God, bless my family with peace. If I walk through the door and my words don't line up with my prayer, if I don't speak words that are, that are in, in the direction of the prayer I prayed, what will happen? My words will actually create the environment around me, and I will rob that environment of peace. So your words are very important. They're important to you and your own soul. What you say affects you because I will assure you when you start mouthing off in negative ways toward another person, whether it be gossip or slander or whether it be any kind of negative words that you speak or any kind of angry words that come out of your mouth or bitterness that you communicate, it's not just going to affect the people that they are spoken to. It's going to ruin you on the inside. It will steal your peace away from you. So, so often we're asking God for one thing, but by our behavior we're doing something else that's creating the environment that we live in. Oh God, I want peace, but we're not doing the things necessary to keep the unity of the, of the Spirit in the bond of peace by the words that we speak. And so if you want to be at peace and live in peace, you have to change your vocabulary. 
because what you say impacts the world around you. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of your tongue, just in what you say. Now, the other enemy that will rob peace from you is worry. And some of us are really professional worriers, aren't we? I mean, we, we have got PhDs in anxiety. We understand what worry is all about. And some of us are so bad with our worries, we worry when we don't have anything to worry about because we're worried that I don't, something really bad must be happening because I'm not worried, okay? And so we have this orientation toward worry. Now, let me quickly say, I, there, are, there, are, there are certain situations with, with our, our mental health, our psychological health, that there are certain anxiety disorders that uh, need to be properly treated and properly addressed. I'm not talking about that tonight. If you have a, a, a situation like that, you need to seek proper medical help that can help you along those lines. I'm not talking in those realms. The realities of medical issues and, and psychological issues that we sometimes need help with. But I'm talking about just the common, everyday, run-of-the-mill worry. The kind of stuff that just eats you up on the inside. And really what worry is, is worry is actually reaching into tomorrow and grabbing tomorrow's problems or perceived problems and bringing them into today. They don't even really exist yet, but you anticipate them or there's the possibility they're going to exist. And so you think wisdom is to reach into tomorrow and grab what you think will be and bring it into your world today, but you never have any capacity to deal with what's not real or what's not in, in, this, in the realm of, of your power at the moment. And so what, you occur, what happens, you're actually borrowing trouble. That's where Jesus said, don't worry about the next day, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own, so spend your time and energy working on what's before you. But many of us spend so much of our time worried about stuff in life, and so we become overwhelmed with anxiety and fear. And that's where many of us live. In a few moments, I'm going to talk to us about how do we conquer that, what do we do in relationship to it. But the first thing I want you to see before we talk about the cure is I want you to see the enemy. Because you can't fight a war unless you know who your enemies are, right? You can't go to battle unless you've finally figured out, okay, now I see it. Now I understand why some of this stuff is happening in my life. And one of the reasons, listen closely, one of the reasons why some of you are not having the kind of peace that you need to have in yourself and in your world, in your home, and your business, is because you are, by your own words, creating an atmosphere that's destroying peace. You, by your own words, are saying things that, that absolutely establish the robbing of that from your environment, or you're letting worry into your spirit and soul that's, that's stealing away from you the peace of God. Again, we'll talk about how to cure that in just a moment. Here's your third thing uh, for us this weekend. The third thing to remember about uh, God's peace is that it's very, very important. All these are important points, but I want to really dive into this one for a moment. God's peace can grow in you and in your relationships. God's peace can grow in you and in your relationships. That should be a hallelujah. Thank God for that, right? Because many times we don't have a lot of peace. There's some of us, I know as a Christian believer, there have been times that I've struggled trying to have the peace of God rule and reign in my heart. I know what that feels like. And how many of you have said, you know, I, I understand that struggle in life? Anybody raise your hand and say, I understand that. I get that. I understand what it's like to try to find that peace living inside of me. And sometimes it's just a very little seed in us. 
It may be a little seed in a relationship, but here is the good news. No matter how little of the peace of God you have right now in you or how little of the peace of God you may have in your relationships, the good news is this. It can grow. Isn't it great to know? It can get bigger than it is right now. You can have more of it. If you'll do the right things, you can actually increase the peace of God in your life and in your soul. It happens. And in fact, in a, in a marriage relationship, some of you are saying, well, wow, my marriage is anything but peaceful. I will tell you, if you learn the right things to do, you can actually create a whole new world in your marriage. Your marriage can change radically from discontentedness and dissension and division and strife and contention and all those things that we think of as the opposite of peace. And you can actually have a real peace that rules in a, in a family, in a home. Now, to understand this, we have to understand some of the aspects of what I'm talking about. And I'm going to talk to you about some things that are necessary to do if you're going to grow your peace. If you're going to make your peace bigger and stronger, I'm going to give you five things that you have to do, five action steps that you must take to have more of the peace of God growing in you. The first thing you have to do is make a decision in your life to be a relationship mender. First of all, that you're going to be a person that anytime you violate your relationship with God by sinning against Him, by going your own way, by doing things you should not have done or thinking things you should not have thought or having attitudes you should not have possessed, that as soon as you recognize it, instead of running away from God, what are you going to do? Run to God. Why? Because what happens is if you run away from God, you're setting up an environment for more and more peace to drain from your life. Okay? But when you run to God and you are reconciled back to God after you failed, because all of us fail at times. There's not a single person here that you've not messed up at least once this week. Probably once today. Probably once in the last 15 minutes. Okay? All of us mess up, and so, and God never requires of us absolute perfection. He wants us to move toward perfection, but the reality is this. We mess up all the time, and the problem is when we mess up with God, we either ignore it and don't deal with it. It's still a reality, but we don't deal with it, and so it affects us spiritually, or we pull back from God, and what I want to teach you to do is if you want to grow the peace of God in you, when you mess up, I didn't say if you mess up, but when you mess up, your first response is to run back to God as quickly as you possibly can. Look at what the Apostle Paul said about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. The latter part of that verse says, we implore you. I like that. It's like we're telling you this is so important. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Read the rest with me. Be reconciled to God. And so I hope this verse will burn into your spirit that when you make the slightest mistake with God and you, you, you fail somewhere in your spiritual journey, that you make the decision, God, I'm running back to you. I'm going to be reconciled to you. But also making the decision that you're going to be reconciled with the people around you. That when someone has done something to hurt you or to offend you, that you've already predetermined before it happened that you're not going to hold on to that in your life. Romans 12, verses 17 and 18, the Good News Bible, reads it this way. If someone has done you wrong, do not repay him with a wrong. Try to do what everyone considers to be good. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with the people that like you. Is that what it says? No. That's how we read it. Do everything possible to be at peace with people who are at peace with you. That's not what it says. 
Read verse 18 with me. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Let me say a couple of things about that. First of all, there's some people that no matter what you try, they're not going to be at peace with you. Have you met somebody like that before? I mean, no matter what you do, they're never going to be happy with you. I mean, you could give them the moon and they would never be happy. Whatever it is they're saying they want, it's never going to be enough for them. And so in in life, you're going to face some people that you can do everything possible and they're not going to respond. But that still doesn't doesn't in any way eradicate your responsibility to do everything you possibly can, according to Scripture, to be at peace with everybody. So it means that you've got to try and find ways to mend relationships. The second thing that's necessary if you're going to grow God's peace in your life is you have to learn to live God's way. The more you live God's way, the more peace you will have. I'll give you a little equation here, simple equation. Obedience leads to peace Disobedience steals peace. Anytime you obey God, guess what happens as a result? On the back end of obedience comes what? Peace. Every time I obey God and His Word, I set myself up for the peace of God to rule in my heart. And when I disobey God, then I've done the opposite of that. I've set myself up for the consequence of the lack of peace. Psalm 119, verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Number three, the third thing that is necessary to grow the peace of God in you is to give God your worry and to give God your fears. Give them to Him. Lift up and let go. Say that with me. Lift up and let go. When you're worried or when you're afraid, you need to remember those two phrases, lift up and let go. Lift up and let go. What does that mean? It means that you take your concerns, your worries that you don't even know are true or real, but you've now brought them into your imagined world of what may happen. And now what you do is you take those and say, God, now I'm going to lift them. Come on, help me out. Up. I'm going to bring them to you. I'm going to give them to you and I'm going to let go. That's the only way that you will successfully deal with worry and fear in your life is to lift up and let go. Read Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 together with me. Let's all read aloud and loudly. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So get the picture here. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything that is, in everything that you would tend to worry about, and everything that would create anxiety and fear in your life, in everything by prayer and petition. As you go to God, you're asking in prayer, you're making a petition of Him, you're asking Him, God, I want you to take care of this. And then with thanksgiving, thanksgiving is the let go part. That's the let go part. Because you can't say thank you until you have completed that, that cycle of the letting go. Because thank, thank you is a faith term. 
When it comes to God, when you say, God, I thank you that you have this. I've lifted up this thing that I'm worried about, I'm concerned about. I now lift it up to you. Now, thank you, which means I believe you've got it. There's nothing like believing that God's got something. Isn't that great to know? That you had it, but you lifted it up, and now God's got it. And so what would be the natural response if you were worried about something and you were holding on to it, you lifted it up, and you believe now that God had it, what would be the natural response? You would want to say, thank you, okay? So thanksgiving is a statement of your faith. Present your request to God, and notice what happens when you do that. The Bible says that the peace of God, which transcends, you can't describe how it happens. It is supernatural. It transcends all understanding, and it begins to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your cares on the Lord. That is, put them over on Him. Cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Number four, fourth thing, action step you've got to take. If you're going to grow your peace, you have to change your thinking. You must, you must, we must, I must, if we're going to have the peace of God, make a decision to take charge of my mind rather than allowing my mind to take charge of me. See, God has made you the boss of your mind. So you think that your mind controls you, but you need to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to put some restrictions on my mind. I'm going to tell my mind what it can think and what it can't think. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to actively tell my mind, you can think this way and you cannot think that way. I'm going to put some borders, some boundaries on my thinking. Is this biblical? Absolutely, in the very same passage that we looked at a moment ago as Paul continued in that same theme of the peace of God, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, circle that on your notes, whatever is true, whatever is noble, noble is, represents kingship, something that is high and exalted, has, 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 has meaning to it. Whatever is right, circle these, these descriptors. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, read the next phrase with me. Think about such things. The Apostle Paul says, let me tell you something, dear ones. He says, I want you to change the way you think. Put some boundaries on your brain. Make sure that you only think things that are true and things that are noble, things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. Make sure that that's where your mind goes. Don't let your mind go somewhere else. And then notice verse number 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, as he's describing his own experience now, put into practice, read the last sentence with me, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul says, God's peace in your life and the presence of the God of peace working in your life is determined to a great degree by how you choose to think. Number five, invest in people. If you want to have peace in your life, you must learn to invest in people. Build your relationship skills, increase your relationship priorities. Why? Because when you're pouring into people that are around you, you're building those relationships, you're creating a, an atmosphere, you're creating an environment, you're creating a deposit, we might say, of blessing from which to draw. We talked about this in the relationship series, but I want to bring it back to your attention again. 
in every ongoing relationship that you have in life, those that you work with most intimately or family members, people that you interact with on a regular basis, you are continually doing one of two things in the relationship. You're, you're either making a, a deposit or you're making a withdrawal. Every time you interact with them, you make a deposit of something good that goes into the good bank account, the emotional bank account of that person. In some way, you're saying, I love you, I care about you, I'm interested in you, I believe in you, I'm here to help you, I'm a part of you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm not against you, whatever. By whatever you say and do, you, you put an investment in a person. Also, you can withdraw, and you withdraw from that account whenever you bring negativity in the environment. When you say something that is sharp, or you say something you should not have said, or you say it a way that you should not have said it or there's something that anger comes out of you in a moment, what happens in that is you withdraw something from the relationship, don't you? That's why there's a little bit of something that happens when that occurs in a relationship. Sort of things kind of go cold for a bit, right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Some of you goes like not just a little bit cold. It goes like ice cold, okay? And because there's a breakage that happens there in the relationship, you know, something happened here. What that something was is that somebody withdrew something right then. That's what happened. That's all it is, okay? That'll help, and you're really, all that happened there in that moment is someone reached in to the deposit and withdrew something instead of depositing something. And in all of our relationships, the more that we can deposit in, see, the more you deposit, if you're depositing 99.9% .9 of the time in a relationship, then a relationship can ha handle 0.1% of the time some withdrawals, amen? Right? Because no, we all understand everybody's perfect, right? Okay? So if you're making a significant amount of investment in the relationship, it can withstand some withdrawals. It's not an excuse for withdrawals, but it can withstand some withdrawals along the way. But if you're like 99% of the time making withdrawals, guess what happens to that account? It's going to run dry. It's going to become bankrupt. There's not going to be anything there more to give, and that's where a lot of our relationships are. Somebody's been taking, or both of us have been taking from one another for a period of time, and there's, no, there's nothing left there. So... How, if, you have not, if you have nothing left in, an, in a relationship, how do you start getting something back into the account? What do you do? The good news is you can start putting stuff back in. You say, well, there's no hope. Yes, there is. Start making some investments again. Start pouring something in. Invest. Notice what the Scripture says here about this in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse number 19. Read it with me. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. That is, make investments that lead to peace and to mutual building up. That's the building up of relationships. Committing to these five things will grow you in peace and grow peace in the relationships of your life. Number, five, number four, the final point this weekend is that God's peace brings blessings to you. Not only brings blessings to others, but it brings blessings to you. God instructed, as I mentioned a moment ago, Aaron and the priesthood to proclaim a blessing over his people as a part of their worship experience. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Do you notice that peace is connected in the ironic blessing? 
And the blessing that Aaron was given to speak over the people of God and the the descendants of Aaron were called to speak over the people of God. Notice that that blessing, there's a peace dimension to the blessing of God. And I will tell you that when peace begins to rule in your life and rule in your relationships, you will be blessed. It's worth it to go after peace because the end result of peace is tremendous blessing. See, it's not worth it to keep fighting. Amen? It's not worth it to let the fight go on inside of you and to keep this continual battle with worry and fear on the inside. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to keep a battle going with somebody else. It's just better off to find a way to keep the peace and make some peace. Why? Because once the peace is made and once you decide to keep the peace, there's blessing that flows that you can't see right now. But I will assure you that when peace begins to show up, you'll see the aspects of peace that bring blessing. Because when peace shows up, people are blessed. It's a blessing to live in an atmosphere of peace. That's why you ought to do everything possible to build peace into your life. Let me give you 10 benefits of peace. Are you ready for them? Number one, it makes you healthier. Anybody want to be healthier? It does. Spiritually, emotionally, every realm, relationally, every realm of your life gets healthier when there's peace there. Second of all, it increases the quality of your life. I love Proverbs 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives what? Life to the body. Do you believe the Bible? When your heart gets at peace, what are you opening your life to? Health, strength, all these things. Number three, it protects you from worry. When peace is there, it guards your heart and mind, the Bible says. Number four, it helps you stay focused. People, uh, peaceful, peaceful people are not as distracted. Have you noticed that when you don't have peace, all kind of things keep you in an uproar and pull your attention in a variety of ways, but peaceful people are more focused. Number five, it gives you excitement about the future. Nobody wants to go into the future if you're worried about it, right? Nobody wants to go ahead to tomorrow if all your hopes about tomorrow are gone. You want to have something that's positive inside of you, and the peace of God gives you a platform from which hope can develop in your life. Number six, it helps us do our best in every situation. I will tell you that on your job, if you're more peaceful in your job, you do a better job. I will, I will predict this as well. I can't promise you this, but I can predict this. If you live in peace on your job, learn how to have peace in you and peace around you, there's a high chance you'll get a promotion because you're going to stand out because most folks aren't like that. And so there's going to be something about you that will be different. It will mark you as being different. Number seven, it keeps you from wrong decisions and habits. You know that people make a lot of bad decisions trying to find peace somewhere? There are people that think, if I just had that car, I would be happy. That car is going to give me peace. Now, they don't say it that way, but that's what's driving them to the decision. So they go out and spend way more than they can afford to buy a car that they, you know, that's not going to solve the issue for them anyway. And they get the car, and they still don't have any peace, okay? But they do have payments, Okay, okay. And now life is even worse, okay? Because I, I got the car, it didn't satisfy me, but I got the stuff that goes along with all those payments. And so people make all kind of bad decisions. You know that a lot of uh, adulterous relationships begin with somebody trying to find some peace in their life? And so, well, that person will make me happy. That person will bring me peace. And so they get into something that they didn't even initially plan to, but their, their desire for peace, because they weren't going after it the right way, led them in the wrong direction. It will also, peace will keep you from some bad habits. I will tell you that many times addictions in your life are associated with the pursuit of peace. 
That's why people drink themselves into a stupor. Why? Because they don't have any peace on the inside. And so alcohol becomes the substitute for that. Or drugs become the substitute of that. Or pornography becomes the substitute for that. All kind of things that we could talk about where there are addictions that we try to fill up the lack of peace inside of us with those kind of things externally. I will tell you, when peace begins to rule inside of you, you don't need other stuff. Why? Because the peace is there. Okay? You've got something that's solid in your life. I will tell you something about the peace of God. I love the old song. It says it this way. It's something the world can't give and the world can't take it away. That when God's peace gets in you, the world can't give it to you. And I will tell you, the world cannot take it away. I don't care what happens around you. It has the ability to be sustained because it's sustained by the power of God, the supernatural power of God. Number eight, it creates an environment in which relationships flourish. Instead of your relationships dying... Peace creates an environment where they flourish. Number nine, it makes you more fun and friendly. You know, some of you need to be a little more fun, okay? We don't like being around you. You're not very much fun, okay? But when you get peace inside, there's a lot more fun to your life. You know, God wants you to have some fun, but in a healthy way, a good way. It makes you more friendly in your life. And that also, when the peace of God is ruling in you, it helps you to be involved in advancing the greatest thing on earth, and that's the kingdom of God. That when you live in the peace of God, you carry a demonstration of God with you where you go. And you leave a deposit of God where you go. The writer of Romans, Paul, says it this way. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. What else is it? Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what have we learned about peace? It's a different, God's peace is a different kind of peace, isn't it? It's not something you get by achieving. You don't achieve peace. You receive peace, relationship with God. Once you have that peace inside of you, you better guard it, right? Because there, there are two, at least two major enemies. What are those enemies? Your words and your worry. Thirdly, we learn that even the smallest seed of peace in you, what can happen if you'll begin to nurture? It can grow in you and it can grow around you. There's a hope-filled word for you tonight that peace can grow in you and peace can grow around you. And we also learn that when peace comes, what else happens? You receive what? Blessing. Your life begins to demonstrate the blessing of God. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for speaking to us. We believe that you're saying something to all of us about peace. And I pray for every one of us, Lord. The world in which we live is certainly not a very peaceful world. And all we need to do is open up a newspaper or click on a news site and see all the terrible things that are happening in the world around us and we wonder where is peace but Father we know that you called each one of us to be ambassadors of peace that it all starts in us and we want to be people that carry your peace into our world and I pray for every troubled heart here tonight I pray Lord in the name of Jesus that Lord in this moment that whatever might be worrying us and causing fear and fret on the inside that this very moment we would lift that up to you and let go of it and give it to you and cast our burdens over on you. I pray for relationships, Lord, that are stressed, marriages and families and business relationships and environments where relationships are being stressed by division and strife and contention. I pray that you'll begin to work a work of peace in our hearts and help us to plant those seeds of peace in those that we come in contact with, those that we, we relate to. Build these things into our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name.
Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. And we'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that'll help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.